Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. And it's... um not just fruit and vegetables. You can get fruit and vegetables anywhere. It's just a, a, a feeling of a soul, of a family soul, of a spirit, you know, wanting to be back 50, 60 years. That's what it is. I'm Robin Sussingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm, The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. On today's show, it's been a South Florida icon since 1959. We'll visit the legendary Robert Is Here fruit stand in Homestead. Plus, nice catch. Dive into the rules and recipes of Florida's spiny lobster season. Florida's lobster season is in full swing, and the state's Wildlife Commission has rules in place to ensure that it's not a free-for-all. Our producer, Dalia Colon, spoke to Tampa blogger Danielle Rose about the do's and don'ts of lobster fishing and how to prepare your catch. I'm Danielle Rose. I'm from Tampa, and I have a food blog called Swanee Rose. And I love to talk about food, Florida, and all the things that we can grow ourselves, catch ourselves, and cook in our kitchens. Things we can catch ourselves, like Florida lobster. Tell me about lobster season. So we have these cute little lobsters in Florida called spiny lobsters. And they are, you know, it's more popular down south, but they're in a lot of Florida. Um, You actually have to go and dive in the water and catch them yourself. They're commercially, I think you can trap them, but um, so it's kind of a fun activity that a lot of people like to do. So you get on a boat, you need a mask and snorkel and fins, or some people do full dive gear. Um, You need a pair of gloves. I love using the ones that I garden with, which are the kind that you find like in garden centers that look like they're dipped in like a rubbery thing or rubbery substance. And so you put on your gear and you need a net and a tickle stick and you look around and they hide, but not very well. You see their antennas. And when you see the antennas, you, you go and use your tickle stick and kind of tickle them out of their hole. And then you scoop them up with a net. And it's sometimes a little more complicated. They are pretty fast. They kind of curl up their tail and shoot through the water. So, you know, if you don't have your net ready, they, they definitely can get away. But it, it's pretty easy. I see kids do it all the time. So it's a fun activity. And then, you know, you get six per person. The carapace, which is 
the section on the top from like right around their eyes down their back, that first section needs to be three inches. And you have to have a measuring device with you at all times when you're lobstering, just to make sure no one's, you know, cheating. And you can't just eyeball it. You have to measure every single lobster. And honestly, we measure three times before we have them in the boat. Everybody measures them. When we're moving them from place to place, we measure again. And so um, you know, the, the device is kind of interesting. It looks like a letter C, and it, if the carapace fits inside that, it's too short. So even if it's just like a millimeter off, you can't risk it. So whose rule is that, and where do you get the device on Amazon? I think it must be FWC, and we find the devices at dive shops or like, you know, West Marine those kinds of places. And we go in the Florida Keys mostly. That's where this is a really popular thing. People come from all over the state and even further to go lobstering, especially during mini season, which was July 24th and 25th. It's always the last consecutive Wednesday and Thursday of July. So what's mini season for Florida? And then what's the full season? And is there a difference? The lobsters have been growing and you haven't been able to touch them for months. And so there's a lot out there and they open up this mini season um, just for two days. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, madness on the water. Everybody comes for this. And then there's a little break. And then the regular season opens this year, August 6th, and it runs until March 31st. Can you describe a little more about what these lobsters look like versus the New England lobster we may imagine in our minds? Well, they don't have the giant claws on the front. So that's the main difference. And the color is maybe a little bit lighter. Um, They're speckly looking. And to me, I love lobsters up north too. My husband's from Massachusetts and those are absolutely delicious. And I love claw meat, but Florida lobsters are awesome because they're easier to handle. You don't have those, you know, giant claws to contend with and they're fun to get. I mean, I can't imagine diving in, you know, New England waters to get lobsters. So it's a great activity. And the, the water in the Florida Keys is, you know, beautiful, clear, and it's so much fun and also nice and warm. So it's great. You just hop in the water and catch your dinner. So I'm picturing that you drive from Tampa down to the Keys. And then are you bringing the lobsters back to Tampa with you? And how are you transporting them? Like, I can barely keep my kids' cheese sticks cold for like 30 minutes. (laughs) How are you keeping these lobsters, you know, at their peak for all those hours? My parents are actually on Big Pine Key, so we stay with them. We cook them the same day, always. uh, You know, we we look forward to a lobster dinner that night. Um, We love to grill them. That's the typical thing. So we split the tail in half and we just pop them on the grill. I do flesh side down for a few minutes and then we flip them. And so we'll throw corn on there and, you know, lots of other fixins and a salad. Um, what do you season it with? It's very simple. Usually just a little salt and pepper, some butter and key lime. Key lime juice is the greatest. Mm. Everybody always says a little salt and pepper. <laughs> I know, I know. It must be true though, if they're it great is. lobsters. So are you putting like the butter and everything on when it's on the grill or after? So I actually use like a high heat oil on the grill just to brush them with a little. And then afterwards we're dipping them in butter. 
Oh man. Or brushing them with butter. Are you wearing a bib? <laughs> you don't need a bib. These are so easy to eat. So you don't have to deal with like cracking things open or any of that. It's just tail meat and it's very simple. You just slice it. You pop it out of the shell and then slice it as you eat it. So it's not messy like those wonderful New England lobsters. <laughs> a lot of times people will take a lobster and like plop it into boiling water. How are you how do you kill the lobster? I don't know how else to ask. So we put them right away. They go in a live well on the boat and then they go into ice and that kind of stuns them. And usually by the time we get back to the dock, honestly, I turn my head. I don't do the killing part, (laughs) but, um, you know, you basically have them stunned and then you're cleaning them and, you know, removing the heads from the the tails. I know, I know. It's not a part that I enjoy. This just took a dark turn. I may have to edit this out, but I felt it was important to ask yeah. because if you really did want to prepare it, you would need to know all the steps. Yeah. What are some... So, into, um, so for, if, say you want to save them, what we do is we take the tails, um, whole raw tails, so they're, the meat's still in the shell, and you wrap each one tightly with plastic wrap, and then you put them in a freezer bag. And so stick them in the freezer and you've got lobster for the year. So I think that's how most people, I mean, you could vacuum seal, I guess. That, that's how we do it to save them for the year. Oh, nice. You can just break out some lobster when it's not even lobster season. Exactly. What are some other things you might need for this? Do you need a fishing license and how does that all work? Yes. Um, so you need a fishing license and then there's something called a lobster tag or a lobster permit that you purchase separately. It's just a little bit more money. And so, um, you add that on and you definitely have to have it in the keys. They are checking all the time. We, we follow the rules to a T because we've had way too many instances. We've known so many people that have been checked and either, you know, they don't have the right permit or the lobsters, they have too many. You can only have six per person or they're very close size-wise. We just don't risk it. It's not worth it. What's the rule about the size? Why, why do they have to be a particular size? Um, I think it's just to ensure a healthy population and, you know, have a full-grown lobster and let the young ones grow up and have some for next year. It seems like um, a lot of rules regarding lobsters, but we have seen years where there haven't been that many, so I'm I'm very thankful they enforce it. Wow. It's very popular. Who knew? I guess you did. (laughs) So what are some things you like to do with them? You mentioned grilling. What are some other ways to enjoy lobster, Florida lobster? I also love making salads and having lobster on top. I think that's a really nice summery thing to do. And we make bisque every once in a while. Lobster rolls. So just like up north, we make Florida-style lobster rolls. I put a little avocado in there and some key lime, you know, aioli, just to make it interesting and Florida-style, of course. Also, we do this funny thing. Say you don't feel like grilling. um, You can cook them inside, and you take the tail meat and kind of pop it out of its shell and use keep it kind of connected so it sits on top of the shell and you broil them and they come out delicious every time you know of course brush them with butter a little salt and pepper but they're delicious like that and they they have a nice presentation too once you it's kind of like on the half shell but they sit on top and that looks cool and then last question why are you passionate about this you could go to the store and buy a lobster 
but why go through the trouble of going down to the keys and getting that that tickle stick and <laughs> bringing the lobster home and cooking it? It, it's all about being with my family, honestly. I absolutely love our days on the boat and swimming and you know coming back to the dock and making a beautiful dinner together. There's nothing better. That was producer Dalia Cologne speaking with Danielle Rose, who publishes the blog Swanee Rose. Danielle shared her recipe for Florida-style lobster rolls with avocado and key lime aioli and grilled Florida lobster salad with key lime vinaigrette, and you can find them on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Way down near the southern tip of the Florida Peninsula in Homestead, you'll find Robert is Here, a long-standing institution selling milkshakes and tropical fruit. It's the kind of weird but somewhat magical roadside attraction that the state of Florida seems to specialize in. The Zest correspondent Janet Keeler visited recently, and she got to the store before sunrise to be able to talk to Robert himself. It was the only time he had any time to chat before the doors opened at 8 and the rush began. He told her that when you run a fruit stand, there's not much downtime, and he walked her through the tragedies and the joys of a family business. Take a trip with Janet as she explores this extraordinary collection of tropical fruit but also what Robert says is the human spirit that keeps it going through the decades. You'll hear the big fans roaring as she walks around. It's an open-air market. It can get pretty warm there. I'm walking around. Robert is here in Florida City, and the sun is just coming up to the east. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And I'm looking at the different the different mangoes that he stocks. So I'm seeing a Valencia Pride, which is a kind of a big yellow elongated mango. It has a big uh, elliptical pit, very, very thin. He also has Florida Reds, which is an unusual, uh, well, for most of us that shop in grocery stores, a little bit of an unusual mango. It's very round. It has a beautiful red blush on the end where it comes off of the tree. And that's a really particularly sweet mango that a lot of people really uh, really like the Kent mango he also has which is a little bit smaller and that gets a pretty red too uh, that is often um, many people's favorite mango it has very very little fiber in it and it's almost when you cut into it and eat it it almost just kind of squishes completely and falls apart in your mouth uh, super sweet and a really lovely lovely uh, lovely fruit and he also has passion fruit here and he has a note on it that says they're best when they're wrinkled. Tastes like a sweet fruit punch, says the sign. So that's interesting, too. Mame sapote, you eat when it's really, really soft. It's a big, it almost looks like a giant, a giant overgrown almond. It could taste like a little fruity flan, a cheesecake, or even pumpkin pie, they say. Sour apples he's got, which are uh, also very an interesting kind of lumpy-looking thing. He's got guano... Guanabana, which uh, some people say tastes a little bit like cotton candy. Also has the kit mango, K-E-I-T-T, which is interesting, a kit mango. And um, that's a very sweet mango, and it's actually quite big. So, you know, with mangoes, 
you want to wait till they're not super soft to eat but just kind of give slightly to pressure and then you know then you know they're ready to eat also has a lot of sugar cane here watermelon guavas little apple manzano apple apple bananas which are very tiny um just about three or four inches long jackfruit which is a very interesting fruit if you've ever seen them hanging on trees they're humongous like almost the size some of them double the size maybe of a big watermelon and they have a um a very bumpy little skin they taste like pineapple and vanilla very interesting fruit you can get husk coconuts so the husk has already been taken off or uh, the big coconuts that come from the tree with the husks on and you can uh, get a little exercise getting that husk off when I was a kid grew up in Puerto Rico my father was in the military and we used to pull the husk off the off the coconuts and smash the coconuts in the street and sit on the curb and and eat them that was a nice a nice way to get our fresh fruit he also has papayas lots of papayas beautiful watermelons but then he has tons of other kinds of things dried fruits all sorts of all sorts of uh, preserves and things like that we've got a mame sapote sapodillo which tastes a little bit like a pear with brown sugar some very interesting things here and lots of lots of good preserves and then there's and then there's also vegetables too he's got broccoli and okra and eggplant celery lots of lots of tomatoes In the back of Robert is here, there's an aviary with lots of birds in it. Lots of children visit the, the fruit stand with their families, so this gives them something to do and something to look at. There's a lot of animals out in back. As Robert says, he was a farm kid, and farm kids always have to have animals around. There's some parrots talking to us this morning. That little parrot is is uh, bilingual, but just with one word. Just he can just say "Hola." There's a lot of tractor equipment around here. This is awfully fun for for a young kid to come and take a look here. There's picnic tables with tiki huts over them. Oh my gosh! Here's a giant a giant ostrich <laughs> and goats that are having fun climbing around a big pyramid. Lots of ducks. So besides the animals, which everyone can look at, and they don't want you to, um, to uh, feed the animals, so they're real farm animals, but there's also a, a play yard here with a little playground and um, things for kids to do. It's, it's, he's really, he's, Robert's really built a, a nice, it's really <laughs> a roadside attraction, another popular Florida roadside attraction. Oh. Everybody's talking. Everybody's talking this morning. They're just waking up, and and the sun's coming up, and they're getting to it out here. 
I'm Robert. Robert from Robert is here. And what we do is uh, <laughs> we work to sell tropical fruit. And it turns out to be a little bit of an education for tropical fruit, you know. And, and everything, just life in general. What do you have here? If it's tropical fruit you're looking for, we got jackfruit. We have guanabana, have guavas, have mame, mango, papaya, avocados, um, passion fruit, canistel. It just it, the list goes on. And where, where does the fruit come from? Well, we grow a lot of it ourselves. We get growers here in the area that we get it from as well. And some of it I can get from around the world. Tell me where the name comes from. Robert is here. Has to be one of the most unusual and interesting names of any fruit stand in the country. Yeah. Well, when I was a little kid, my dad was farming and he had cucumbers at the market and first picking and they didn't sell. He went over there to get some money from Mr. Uh, oh, God, I forgot his name. <laughs> Anyhow, that was seven, 60 years ago. Uh, the guy says, we're not even going to pay you because we didn't sell them and we're going to dump them. He said, no, I'll come back and get them myself. He needed boxes because he was completely broke, and he couldn't pick his second pick in the cucumbers. He had no boxes. So he went and got his 400 bushel of cucumbers, dumped them out, and picked 400 bushels of new ones and brought them back. And he had all these cucumbers. They'd been in a cooler the whole time, but put me out here on a corner on a Saturday, and absolutely nobody stopped. My mom and dad were thinking what the heck could be wrong with little kid not getting any customers maybe they didn't see him here so they put up two signs that proclaimed that I was here and I sold out and walked home that Sunday and we've been doing it ever since so Robert is here Robert he's is still here. here still here yeah <laughs> November the second weekend will be 60 years yeah. wow that's yeah. fantastic I was thinking as we were driving up here about what kind of damage you might have gotten from Hurricane Andrew in 92. Well, Andrew, Andrew was a disaster. Um, and disasters used very easily these days. There are a lot of disasters. In the panhandle of Florida, they got what we got. Um, it was just, you just can't imagine it until you see it. And everything, this building actually stayed. Mm. Uh, this is some original steel, believe it or not. <laughs> but all the trucks I had parked around here... Uh, were scattered all over the countryside from tornadoes but uh, it was bad it was, it was worse than bad but we had a horrible thing happen to us eight days prior to the hurricane someone murdered my mom in her house and we were in a little whirlwind of our own and and the hurricane as bad as it was for everyone else and myself included it just didn't seem as bad as what had already happened to us. I, no, so, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that happened. I'm so very anyway, sorry that, about that. That kind of like uh, mellowed us out as far as, you know, wh how much can you take? And yeah. human, human spirit and body can take way more than you realize. Look a beautiful sunrise. I see that every morning. What time do you get here? Uh, this morning I overslept. I didn't get here until 6. Usually it's 5.30. <laughs> Yeah. Your daughter told me you got here that early. So yeah. your children are involved. Yeah, yeah. I got four kids. Uh, one's a full-time mom. She does what she can here, and she helps her husband with his business. And uh, the other three, two are boys. They help me here, and they farm. And then uh, my daughter 
the other daughter, the youngest one, she helps run the office. Oh, that's great. So the sunset, so which way are we looking that's now to sunrise. see the sun? So this sunrise, east. sorry. The name of my book is Robert is Here, Looking East for a Lifetime. I saw that on the, I saw that on the sign. I was yeah. wondering what that meant. So that's that's, every day I come up, I see the sun come up, I'm looking east. Wow, that's a, yeah. that's a beautiful sight. Yeah. Yeah. So who comes here? Who comes to who comes to the uh, to the stand? Usually anybody from around this world. Yeah, that's basically it. And it's um, not just fruit and vegetables. You can get fruit and vegetables anywhere. It's just a, a, a feeling of a soul, of a family soul, of a spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, wanting to be back 50, 60 years. That's what it is. So they're the heritage too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the heritage. So tell me a little bit about the milkshakes. When did that start? How did Started that happen? Mom couldn't make enough uh, jelly and preserves from the strawberries because we would pack them up real high in the packages and all the grayed outs would be, and we had to sell them somewhere. So that's what started it. So then you can use you can use the fruit oh, yeah. that way and any other thing too, even make watermelon shakes. We've had them. We've had a lot of them. I like the coconut mango. That's yeah. that's one I do. Yeah. do. Are there some that are that are really popular? <laughs> yes. You sell 2,000 a day on the weekends, something's popular. <laughs> Which it. flavors? No, all of them. Yeah. 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 All of them. They're just, I got too many. I got anything, anything you can imagine, <laughs> you make a shake out of. How's the mango season this year? Mango's good. Always wonderful fruit. Very yeah. sweet. Uh-huh. Even through very, very stressful times after a hurricane and after big freezes, we, we, we get come through. It's human spirit. Yeah, well, that's good. It, it's just, it's just there. You know, there's no reason you can buy fruit anywhere. There's no reason to be this popular. I come to work every day. It just, just goes. Yeah. Are you open year round? Year round. Yeah, we we tried a little experiment for 17 years because it's really hard to go seven days a week every day of the year, and that's what we did for 41 years. And we closed September and October. My boys were coming through high school, and both of them were playing on the same football team. And I said, damn, I want to spend more time with, with them. And I helped coach them when they were little kids. Even though my mom wasn't here to help us, we, we managed to do it all. And we closed September and October so I can go to some of their games. And even when they were in college, I went to some of the games. You know, And uh, a lot more difficult. They were up in Kentucky, so I <laughs> didn't get to go as many as I wanted to. <laughs> Yeah. So you said that was an experiment. So it, it, well, it went it, 17 years, but no. we got so many employees now, it's so hard to close. And when we're closed, we work every day anyway, except for the weekends, painting and cleaning and fixing. And we got about 60 employees now. And uh, it's hard to gather them all back up when you open back up. So we have to stay open and hopefully break even and try to paint and clean while we're open. Oh my God! What a challenge that is. <laughs> Moving around people and yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, do you have um, Do you have favorite fruit here? Things you like to eat? I eat everything: mangoes, uh, guanabana, soursop. Mm-hmm. Uh, soursop's a nickname. I don't know if you've heard of them before. But I, ha- I have. Yeah. Um, and it's a nickname for what? The soursop. Guanabana. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then we have sugar apples. And, you know, I love my watermelon too. I, I, yeah. As you can see, I've not missed a meal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, when, when's your most crowded time? Uh, su- Sundays, yeah. The bicyclists will come in. Yesterday was unbelievable with the bicyclists. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Is that a new uh, groups of bikes bicyclists? Is that a new a new audience? Nothing new. It's been about fifty years. A tradition of and midway through their ride, we were pit stop. Yeah, nothing new at all. <laughs> That's a beautiful place. We've never been here, obviously, this quiet before it opens. Oh, yeah. We've been here many times, but it's usually quite busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, uh, it's a good time for me to get stuff done and things like that. Okay. What, a great, what, what a great place you have here. Well, and I can, see, I can see how you'd say it has a lot of heart to yeah, it. Yeah, it's got soul. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the hardest when we're here working at the soul is just the, you know, it's... It's like a living, breathing thing yeah, in a way, it isn't really, it? Yeah, really, truly is. It's, it's like going to see Old Faithful or going to see the Grand Canyon, you know. Uh, and I'm not trying to compare myself and make it be as vast and magnificent as the Grand Canyon or Old Faithful. But um, if you experience something that happened 60 years ago and it's still happening and it's human, human-driven, you know, nature-driven, yeah, thousands of years. Yeah. But uh, how many people can say they've been in business the same place for 60 years and I'm still not rotten in the grave? (laughs) (laughs) You look happy and healthy, Uh so there you go. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, I'm going to grab a few more things while you... Okay. That was our correspondent, Janet Keeler, speaking with Robert Moling, who's been selling fruit in South Florida since 1959. If this conversation made you hungry, visit our website for recipes that use Florida fruits. Try the prize peach cobbler from the Junior League of Tampa's Gasparilla Cookbook or the Orange You Glad It's Summer cocktail from the Epicurean Hotel. Thanks so much for listening. You can find recipes from our stories at thezestpodcast.com. And if you missed last week's show... We find out why we should take Florida wine seriously, and we taste a few. I'm Robin Sessingham. Dalia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Megan Trimble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Mm-hmm.